Welcome to Positively Leading, the podcast that's all about helping you grow your resilience, leadership and influence. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Howling, and each week we will be diving into a variety of topics related to leadership, communication and personal growth. From feedback and accountability to diversity and inclusion, we'll explore the skills and strategies that you need to become a more effective leader. So whether you are looking to improve your communication skills, build strong relationships with your team, or simply become more confident in your role, join me on this journey of growth and discovery, and let's get positively leading. Hello there, and welcome to the second episode of Positively Leading. Thank you so much for joining me. I believe that one of the most critical skills of leadership is about growing and preserving your own energy to lead. And this is particularly important because the more exposure you have to leadership, the greater the expectations on you, the more eyes on you, the fewer people you actually have to talk with about your struggles. Recent research revealed that nearly 60% of leaders feel used up at the end of the workday, and that's a strong indicator of burnout. And I know when I was leading, I didn't need a statistic to tell me how I felt, but it did help me to feel not quite so alone. So we're going to look at this today, this fundamental skill of leadership, about how you can build and sustain your resilience and also improve your well-being, which will help you then to thrive more in leadership and in life. We're going to get started with three dangerous myths, and we're going to bust those myths about resilience. And then we're going to explore three strategies that can have a big impact on your resilience and also your well-being. And that's not all, because in the show notes, you will find a free download with these three strategies and seven more that can really help to boost and sustain your resilience and well-being. So let's get started with the three myths. Now, myth number one is that resilience means bouncing back. We've been conditioned to believe that, that it's all about how quickly and how well we can bounce back to normal after adversity. Now, I don't know about you, but I remember when I was younger and bouncing a ball on the floor. In order to keep that ball going and to keep coming back up to the original height, you need to actually keep bouncing it. Whereas if you just drop the ball... It's going to bounce a little, but then it's actually going to start petering out and stop moving. Now, this is what happens with resilience. You know, this myth that we have that it's all about bouncing back, actually it minimizes the struggle and the growth required to build genuine resilience, as well as the adaptations that we need to make to emerge stronger from a stressful situation. It's not about bouncing back. It's about learning strategies and skills so you don't actually have to hit the floor in the first place. Myth number two, resilience is about grit and determination and soldiering on. Now, hands up if when I say resilience, you immediately do think of that, of coping, of grit, of determination, of fighting the good fight, of never giving up. And this actually is nonsense. And yet many people wrongly assume that this is what resilience looks like. I think over the last few years as well, this has been magnified even more. We've had politicians and people around the world talking repeatedly as we were navigating through COVID, that COVID is a battle and something we must defeat. And well, that kind of rallying battle cry can actually mean that we end up feeling worse about ourselves because going to war is actually the last thing we feel able to do. 
But thanks to the latest scientific research into how humans really function, we now know that the soldiering on approach is actually dangerous. So stuffing down those difficult emotions instead of learning how to sit and feel them is not a long-term strategy for well-being, whether that's for an individual or for a team or for a wider culture. Because what actually happens when you soldier on, regardless of how you're feeling, is a slow road to burnout. And this is again why that notion of bouncing back is so unhelpful, because really we don't want to be hanging out in that fight, flight or freeze space in order to bounce back at all. Now, the third dangerous myth is that resilience is actually having more control. Control is not necessarily a bad thing. However, many things aren't in our control, and this can feel really uncomfortable. And if we're wedded to that need for control and that we think we must be in control to thrive, then this can often bring feelings of overwhelm and anxiety and worry when we're not in control. So often that need for control is high, our stress levels are high. Whereas in people with high levels of resilience, they have a different kind of control, a kind of control that is flexible, response-able. They're able to respond to different situations. They're able to reflect on what they can control and direct their attention there. So being in control is not needed to be resilient, but taking responsibility and as appropriate taking action and being accountable are. So debunking those three myths. One, resilience means bouncing back. Two, resilience is about grit and determination and soldiering on. And three, resilience is about having more control. When I was really ill back in 2014, 2015 was when I first started to think about resilience. And through my recovery, I became so passionate about trying to figure out what it was, what it really meant, how I could learn and grow and navigate this real challenge that I was facing. And I had to unlearn a lot, (laughs) really did. And those three myths, I think, were at the core of having to unlearn things. As part of the process of learning, I discovered uh, so many different strategies, so many strategies that you can put into place and make tiny tweaks that can have a really big impact in your life. And I'm going to share some of those with you today. Now, I'm going to share three simple, actionable strategies, and I've kept them as simple as I possibly can. But there is so much research that sits behind each one and they've all been super useful for me and also for others over the years. Before we start, when you listen, you might think to yourself, Sarah, I know that. But my question to you is, are you actually doing it? Any of the strategies can make a really big difference, but only if you act on them. I know for me that some of my go-tos that fill my resilience tank are learning, gratitude, meditation, being outdoors, and then dancing and singing really loudly around the bedroom. And when my resilience tank starts to run low, when I'm not feeling great, when my energy is decreasing, when I check in with myself, the chances are that I am not doing those things anymore. Yes, I know exactly what I need to fill my tank, but quite often I'm not doing it. So ask yourself, I do know some of these things, but am I actually doing them? Let's dive in then and think about these three strategies. The first strategy is to develop a gratitude practice. Gratitude is the undisputed heavyweight champion of well-being and resilience. 
and it's got a huge list of benefits, including helping you feel happier, improving relationships, building mental strength. It can improve psychological and physical health, and it can even improve self-esteem. When we think about a strategy for this, a simple thing to do is a five-minute tool called Think, Write and Feel. At the end of the day, simply write down three good things that happened during the day. But that's just think and write. What I want you to do is just turn it up a notch and really feel it. So when you are writing that sentence or two, describe those great feelings. Can you name the emotions that you were feeling at that particular point? That's where you can really boost the practice because you get to savour as well as be thankful. Now, this is a very effective daily practice, but sometimes for me, it can feel a little bit like I'm going through the motions. And when this happens, rather than force it, I will pop the pen and paper to one side and I will think about something a little bit different. And I flip my thinking to not just think about something that's happened in that day, but actually thinking about a person. Can I think about a person, somebody who I admire or somebody who has inspired me in leadership or in life? And I think of that person And then I'd write them a little email or a thank you card. And yes, a real life thank you card to arrive through a real life letterbox. (laughs) Now, when I do this, I write it, but I'm also doubling that positivity. Not only do I get to say that how great it was to be with them and feel the gratitude for everything they gave me, but I also get to share it with them and send them a little bit of love and positivity too. So two things there. There's the think, write and feel tool. But if that can feel a little bit mechanistic for you, then you can also think about somebody, somebody who brought something to your life and you can write them a note to say thank you, letting them know what it was that they did to support you and to help you and how thankful you are for them. Our second strategy is tapping into your breathing. Now, breathing, we do it 16 times a minute on average, so 960 times an hour, over 23,000 times a day, every day. And thankfully, you have an unconscious nervous system that actually breathes for you. And we do it automatically. And because we do it automatically, there's probably a lot of room there for improvement. Because we move so quickly through the day that we often forget to breathe properly. We get so busy and caught up in our minds that we're not aware that our breath is actually the singular most valuable way that we have that can reset our nervous system to clear our minds and to get us back into a high energy state. And there's now a proven link between breath and emotions. Neuroscientists have discovered that every emotion has a corresponding breathing pattern. For example, when we feel joy, we breathe more slowly and fully into our lungs. Whereas when we feel fear and anxiety, our breath becomes more shallow and quick. But here's the best part. Just as feeling certain emotions can elicit a certain breathing pattern, breathing a certain way can also elicit the desired emotions. So if you breathe deeply and fully for a few minutes, then you will start to feel happier and more emotionally stable. This is an exceptional discovery because it means we can change how we feel simply by breathing a certain way. Now, if we're thinking about breathing for resilience and well-being, then what we're wanting to do is to help us to relax. 
So breathing deeply and fully. In doing so, we are activating the parasympathetic nervous system in our brain. And this nervous system helps our body to relax and to rest. The term, the relaxation response, was coined by Dr. Herbert Benson, and it's essentially the opposite reaction to the fight or flight response. This is beneficial because it can counteract the physiological effects of stress and the fight or flight response. So when you're breathing deeply, your brain knows that it's time to rest. And research has shown that regular use of the relaxation response can lead to decreased blood pressure, decreased muscle tension, and improved thought process, improved sleep, restored circulation, and increased overall well-being. So one of the most valuable things that we can do in life is to learn that deep relaxation. So I want to introduce you to the 365 breathing zone. And this is the name given to a common technique that's recommended by many therapists to counter accumulated stress. So this is at least three times a day, breathe six times per minute for five minutes. Actually, three, six, five. Okay, so once again, three times a day, breathe six times per minute which actually works out at inhaling for five seconds and exhaling for five, for five minutes. And breathing in this way just for five minutes can give you up to four to five hours of benefit. Now, if five minutes feels too much, which I get sometimes we can be super busy, then break it down and perhaps do two or three minutes a couple of times a day. Or even one minute has been proven to bring benefits. Tapping into our breath, the power of our breathing to activate that parasympathetic nervous system is one of the most powerful things we can do to reset our nervous system, to help us to feel better and to minimize those feelings of stress and anxiety. The third strategy is called mind your language. And with this, we're going to be thinking about using powerful, positive words. The words that we use are super important to how we feel and how we behave. Because one of the goals of our brain is to move us away from pain and towards pleasure. Another is that our brains can't process a negative. And by that, I mean, if I was to say to you, don't think about a pink elephant in a tutu, Your brain has to first think of the pink elephant in a tutu and then try not to think of a pink elephant in a tutu. We can't process a negative. So what we want to try and do here is use powerful and positive words that can really help us to tune into what it is that we're wanting rather than the things that we are not wanting. The most important words you hear are the words that you will say to yourself. Now, I'm sure, like me, you have a to-do list. But do you also have a to-be list? (laughs) I like to set myself up for the day by asking, how do I want to be? and How do I want to feel today? And this is my activity called the morning power-up. Each morning I ask myself those questions. And then I use powerful and positive words and vivid descriptions to help me to really centre in on what it is I'm wanting to be thinking and feeling during the day. 
This is called positive priming because you're priming your brain to look out for the things that help you to feel that way. And you can also return to the exercise at any point in the day if you find yourself saying things like, I'm so stressed or I feel terrible or I'm so tired. Remember, your mind hears stressed, terrible and tired. <laughs> and this can make you feel stuck. So you can tap in and ask that question, is this helping me? How do I want to feel? And see if you can bring in the positive and powerful words. Now, sometimes if you are feeling really stuck, you're not going to go from, oh my, this workload is killing me, to I'm a superstar who can handle everything that's thrown at me. That's just too much of a shift. So when that happens, just think of the next best thought. Just tiny little shifts in our language. For example, is the workload really killing you or are you just busy? Making those tiny shifts can have a huge, huge impact. So that's it, folks. Today we have debunked three dangerous myths about resilience and we've learned three strategies that you can apply from today that can really boost your well-being and resilience. And they are developing a gratitude practice, tapping into the power of your breathing, and then minding your language using powerful, positive words. And don't forget, there's more in the show notes. You'll find a free download with the three strategies and seven more that can help to support you in building and sustaining your energy to lead. Now, I'm cheering you on from here, as always, and I will see you in the next episode. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Positively Leading. I hope you found it helpful in your journey to becoming a better leader. And if you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback not only helps me grow, but also helps others discover the podcast and join our community of positive leaders. And if you'd like to work with me, you can head over to sarahowling.com to find out how. Thanks once again for listening. And remember, the world needs more brilliant leaders just like you. So keep on positively leading. <laughs>